0: You're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to pretend on really any given Sunday that, uh, that I'm the, uh, the showstopper or the best part of the Sunday service or anything like that, and I can't even actually think that way. That's, that's not right. But certainly on a day like today, uh, I mean, we just can't even hope to pretend that what I have to contribute this morning is anything near as good as what we, you have already seen. Um, that being said, I do want to take an opportunity just for a few moments to, to, uh, to highlight a, a few things about Christmas. And for, uh, for those of you who haven't been here, what we've been doing here at West End for the Christmas season, is we have been talking about the different names of Jesus. Uh, and he has given a number of different names. I don't know about you. You, you may have a, a bevy of nicknames over the years. Uh, I shared that a couple weeks ago that when I was little, I was called Myron Siren. And uh, that made me sad. Um, later on in, uh, in, uh, in high school... Somehow I I got the name Air Marvin, and I I don't know why. And then when I was at Miller uh, and I was at college, they just called me Marv. In fact, to this day, if I go to Miller, they don't call me Myron, they call me Marv. Uh, It's very confusing, I know, for all of you, because there are people that come here from Miller and they say, hey, Marv. I don't know why. That's what they call me. But there are a number of different names that that I have made. Maybe you have a lot of different names. There are a lot of names in the the scriptures for the Lord Jesus. And we talked about Christ. We talked last week about Jesus, where Joseph, in a dream, got this um, message from an angel that said, you need to marry Mary you need to take her as your wife, and you are going to have a son, and you are going to call him Jesus. And then he said, for he will save his people from their sin. This morning, I just want to just for a a few minutes, and I really, really mean that when I say a few minutes, Um, I just want to highlight another name of Jesus. And it comes to us in John chapter 1. And we have referenced John chapter 1 before. And you'll know if you're familiar with John chapter 1 that John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says, He was with God in the beginning. And If you're not familiar with that chapter, then, you know, reading those words really won't help you very much. But if you just kind of keep reading and you go down to verse 14, what you're going to find is that John kind of elaborates on what he means there. In John chapter uh, 1 and verse 14, it says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, So John kind of elaborates, and what he is referencing in John chapter 1, verse 1, where he says, in the beginning was the Word, then in John chapter 1, verse 14, he elaborates and he says, actually, what I'm talking about when I say Word is I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm just giving him a little bit of a different name. And so just for a couple of minutes, here's what I want us to... I I want us to discover some truths about that name and then I want us to just maybe consider two implications, okay? So the first truth about the fact that John calls Jesus the Word in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. What does that mean? Well, I mean very simply and I'm not trying to be trite but I would say this. John is telling us that the Word always was. The Word always was. It means that when John starts, in the beginning was the Word, the Word always was. When you hear that phrase, in the beginning, you think of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's, there's parallels, there's correlations between those two verses, right? Right? What John is trying to implicate or he's trying to tell you is that Jesus, the word, was there in the beginning. The word always was. And, and I would say one of the reasons why he's trying to do that is because we live in a world where people are trying to discredit Jesus. We live in a world where people are trying to say, yeah, okay, we'll give you this. Jesus was a good guy. He was a good teacher. He was super smart. He was super kind. He was super loving. He was all that sort of stuff. But he was not God. And that's essentially, I mean, that is the focus of all false teaching out there. They're saying that Jesus wasn't God. But we believe that when Jesus came and he was born into a manger, We believe, what? We believe that he was fully fully man, but he was also fully God. It's it's what we call the incarnation. And John is even going further than that. He's saying that not only was Jesus God, is God, but he always was. So that's the first implication. John is saying there in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's saying... The word always was. Here's the second thing. He's saying that the word was with God. You know what he's saying there? I would just say it this way. There's a connection between the word, Jesus. There's a connection between Jesus and God. It means that Jesus, and we don't have the time to get into it, but it means that Jesus is part of the triune God. He's he's part of the Trinity. He's part of Father, Son, Spirit. He's this three different persons in one God, okay? And I, I, I just feel like I'm just throwing that at you and we're going to just leave it there, but, but that's what we're going to do because we don't have time, but I just need us to understand that the Word always was. Jesus was there in the beginning. The Word was with God. It tells us that there's this connection between God, but not only that, it tells us that there's a distinction, not only connection, God and Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, they're connected, but they're also different. Different jobs. Boy. I I know that I'm throwing a bunch of stuff at you, but that but that's the truth. We have to understand that, that there's this connection between God and Jesus, and there's also this distinction. One God, three persons, three different jobs. Everybody with me? All right. One more. And this is the most important thing. I got to say it. The word was, uh, the, the word always was, right? The word was with God and then the word is God. The word is God. And, and I just, I said it just a couple of minutes ago. We live in this world where people are trying to discredit Jesus we live in a world that, had, that has been happening for 2000 years and it remains today. And I guarantee you it will happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day, because this world is afraid. If Jesus really is who he says he is, the implications of that mean that I'm not living the way I should. That's what the world is, is thinking. And so instead of accepting what Jesus says and accepting who Jesus is, they will say, no, that's not true. I can't believe that. And they will go on and they will live their life the way they want to. But we believe that Jesus, born in a manger, came to, to die ultimately came to die in our place, in, in, in my place, in your place. He came to be a savior. Jesus, you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So John is saying, really importantly, when he references Jesus as, as the word, he's, he's saying that the word always was. He's saying that the word was with God. He's saying that the word was God. These are huge implications. So I would just say this as we close. What does that mean? If we say that the word always was, if we say that the word was with God and we say that the word was God, what does that mean for you? Because it's one thing to say it, but we need to understand what it means and, and, and what it means for us. What is the truth, and what is the implication of that? So uh, let me just give you two things, or maybe three. I'm sorry. Uh, The implications of the Christmas story and the implications of John chapter 1 verse 1 would be this, that Bethlehem, Bethlehem wasn't the beginning. It wasn't the beginning for Jesus. Have you ever thought of that? Think about this. Think about, the four gospels. Think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Even though a few of them don't actually reference the birth of Jesus, they all start way before Jesus was ever on the scene. You ever thought about that? Where does Matthew start? Starts with Abraham, right? The genealogy of Jesus Christ. Where does Mark start? Mark starts, if you want to go look and do some homework this week, Mark starts with with some quotes from Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was ever on the scene. Where does Luke start? He starts with a genealogy. He goes all the way back to Adam. And where does John start? John starts even before the beginning. In the beginning, way before the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. What he's saying there is Jesus always was. The word always was. Eternity passed. Huge implications, right? What I'm just trying to say is that Bethlehem isn't just the time when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus always was on the scene. It means that this is a way bigger thing than than just A cute little Christmas story where we sing away in a manger and all that sort of stuff. Those things are important, yes, but there's more to the story. Bethlehem wasn't the beginning. And, I mean, if you want to connect that, another implication would be that before... We sing about Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? We know that. Before... Jesus was God with us. He was God with God. That's what John chapter 1 and verse 1 is telling us. That's an amazing thought to me. We have to, uh, I think, when we understand that God... And Jesus are connected. God and Jesus are the same. God and Jesus were there before the beginning. I think when we start to understand that and those implications, I think we start to look at Christmas just a tiny bit differently. Here's the last thing, I think. If John chapter 1 and verse 1 is true, then... The implication of that is that Jesus makes visible the invisible God. Now we can see what God is like in the person of Jesus. Because the word became flesh. And and he was God. I mean, that's what John chapter 1 tells us. If you read on, verse 18 says... No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. He's saying that when Jesus came on the scene, he came to make the invisible God visible. You want to see what God is like? You look at Jesus. He came to make sure that you understand just who God is. He is the living word of God. He is the personal expression of God. So if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. You could almost say God is Christ-like. And so, here's how that affects Christmas. Here's how that should affect Christmas for you. Would you like to know how God feels about you? if you want to know how God feels about you, then you just look at how Jesus treated people. Maybe you feel insignificant. Maybe you feel marginalized. Maybe you feel down today. Maybe you feel like you've been overlooked. Let me just say this, that Jesus is here, and there's this wonderful story about Jesus being born into a manger. But to tell us how God is like and how God feels about you, I would just say this, that Jesus is the living statement that God cares about you so much that He would come to earth looking for you. God loved you so much that he, he sent His Son, Jesus, to you. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to search under rocks. We don't have to do any searching. Jesus came to you. Isn't that remarkable? behold, I stand at the door and knock. The only thing that we have to do is open the door. Isn't that remarkable? That someone would love you so much that he would stand in your place. That he would put his life on the line just for you. That God is so concerned about you that he would be willing to take all your sin and place it on himself. Christmas is the overflow of the blessedness or the happiness that God says, I have love within myself. And my hope is, you know, just for the rest of this Christmas season, my hope is for you that you would say, if if that is the way that God feels about me, if Jesus is the embodiment of, of that love, that word, then how could I not give myself to him? How could I not ask him to be my personal Lord and Savior? Christmas is an invitation to enter into the eternal life and the love of God. It's always been there, but now he wants to share it with with you so badly. He came to earth in the form of his son, the word Jesus and when you start to understand that, there really, there really are no words or names to describe what it means to have the word be the word for you. Amen? Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, it is good to be in your place in this house and we worship and adore, we glorify and honor your name today. Father, I thank you for all the, the, the Sunday school teachers and the, the kids and just everyone who participated this this morning um, just to tell your story in, in different ways. And, and it's remarkable that we were able to do that. And, and uh, Father, I thank you for each person who has come, whether they come here all the time or whether they're here just to support their grandkids or nephews, whatever. Um, their family members I I just I'm grateful that we could be here together this morning giving you praise and glory and and Lord I pray that if there is someone here who does not really actually understand the meaning of Christmas the true meaning that this Christmas that you would make yourself somehow some way real to them it is good that we are here and Father you are a good God We give you praise. And we pray in Jesus' name, the Christ, the word, the lamb. Amen. Would you stand with me? I just want to read Jude for you. Jude, verse 24. (coughs) Excuse me. It says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to say a Merry Christmas on behalf of me and Pastor Matt, and uh, we just hope the best, wish the best for you. You're dismissed.